Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 12, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is having a great week. Hope everybody is gearing up for what I expect to be uh, an increasingly exciting weekend in college football. It's funny, you know, I looked at the slate uh, leading into this Monday episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, and I said, eh, it's good, but you look back on what we've had the last two weeks, you kind of sit there and say, is it going to live up to what we had the last two weeks? Then as the week has gone on, I've gotten increasingly more excited as we have a top 15 matchup between Kentucky and Georgia, Arkansas-Auburn, Lane Kiffin's return uh, to Tennessee in what is now a highly anticipated game on Rocky Top. Obviously, Coach O scratching and crawling and fighting for his life. As the week has gone on, I have become increasingly more excited about this Week 7 slate. So let's get into it. But before we do, I want to welcome back our partner, DraftKings. College football betting, Aaron Torres Media, as I said last week, has partnered with DraftKings. Here's the deal. It's October. Pro football is underway. Hockey is about to get started. The Major League Baseball playoffs have started. And DraftKings has an incredible deal. This, is, this, this deal is unbelievable that I'm about to tell you via DraftKings and our partnership with Aaron Torres Media College Football Betting, our partnership with DraftKings. Here is the deal. New users on DraftKings, you bet $1 in October on any Major League Baseball game, any NHL game, any pro football game, and you will get $100 in free bets if you bet $1 and the MLB team you bet on gets one hit in the game, if the NHL team scores one goal in the game, or if the pro football team scores a single point in that game, you get $100 in free bets. Bet $1, one hit, one goal, one point in football, and you get $100 in free bets from DraftKings. Really easy. This is all you got to do. Click the link in the uh, po podcast profile here. So college football betting with Aaron Torres. You go in the little uh, rundown. I write up what this show is about. There's a link to DraftKings. The link is also tagged on my Twitter page at Aaron underscore Torres. You go in, you sign up through that link. It has to be through that link. Place a $1 wager. You got to make your first deposit, obviously. Place a $1 wager on any pro football game, any MLB playoff game, any NHL game. And again, one point in pro football, one one hit in baseball, one goal in hockey, and you get $100 free bets instantly. 
act quick. You better act quick because this is not going to last long, but an unbelievable offer from our friends at DraftKings. And I should remind you, of course, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 21-plus to be eligible, 18-plus in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit, deposit minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, let's look at this week seven slate in college football. And, uh, you know, really, like I said off the top, fun week seven slate. I'm genuinely excited about it. The week, uh, uh, you know, the slate itself has grown on me throughout the week. And it's for a few different reasons. One, I think there's a lot of really intriguing games. But then two, on top of that, I think it's an interesting time of year. Because we spend, you know, the, the, the life cycle of a college football fan is funny. We spend all summer kind of thinking about our team, talking about our team, whatever. Then we play early. Some teams have success, some teams don't. Uh, you get a couple of nice wins, but are they really nice wins or is the team you played overrated? Well, now it's week seven and we kind of know. We kind of know what wins mattered early, which ones don't, didn't, who's good, who's not. Uh, you know, you look at, say, Arkansas beating Texas, all of a sudden that win looks that much more impressive all these weeks later because Texas is a lot better than I think a lot of us thought we thought they were. UCLA beating LSU, on the other hand, not nearly as impressive, but the point is we're in week seven. And we know these teams, we know what they're about, we know how they play, and there are no surprises. So it's, it's all about now lining up, it's about matchups, it's about knowing your opponent, and it's about going out and getting the best of them. And so with that said, let's get into the Week 7 slate. Let's start with the big one. Obviously, Saturday afternoon, between the hedges, Gary, Brad Nessler, Georgia-Kentucky, top 15 matchup. Uh, the spread is now up to 23 and a half. It was at 21 and a half to open. It is now, excuse me, 23 from 21 and a half. The over-under is 44 and a half, and it's with good reason. And it's no disrespect to Kentucky. It's not to say that they're overrated, but Georgia's a freaking juggernaut right now. And two weeks ago when they played Arkansas, we said, that line feels way too big. Georgia beat them 37 nothing. Last week against Auburn, we said, ah, I think that line's a little too big. They beat Auburn 34 to 10. And so coming into this game, obviously a huge spread, but it's a testament to how good Georgia has been and how big the spread has to be for Vegas to get some action on the other side rather than everybody just betting Georgia. And the scary thing, I think, if you're Kentucky is, uh, you know, Georgia in some ways is actually starting to get healthier as the season goes on, not the opposite. Um, you look at Georgia right now, obviously there have been some injuries, most notably at quarterback. We'll talk about JT Daniels in a minute. But Tyke Smith, one of their top cover corners, uh, he was out. He got hurt in fall camp, basically just was now getting back up to full speed, played a little bit against Auburn. He will be good to go in this game. Uh, again, the quarterback situation is kind of weird. We still don't know what's going on with JT Daniels. And I do believe that at some point, I've said it on and on again, and I do believe it, at some point, 
Georgia is going to have to prove that they can throw the ball. I do not believe you can get away with running the ball 45 times a game, 40 times a game, not having to pass the ball, relying strictly on your defense and your run game. Maybe it won't matter till the SEC championship game. Maybe it won't matter till the playoff. But at some point, they're going to have to do it. They need a healthy JT Daniels. But that is for down the road because coming into this game, they are a full uh, four-possession favorite, almost a 24-point favorite, and they're really, really, really good. Of course, they're playing a really, really good opponent, too, in Kentucky. And when I look at Kentucky, first of all, it goes without saying, right? Incredible, incredible job Mark Stoops has done. Someday they are going to build a statue for him in Lexington. Um, You know, even if he leaves, and I don't think he's leaving for very many jobs, but even if he leaves, he is the greatest coach of the modern era, the greatest coach since uh, Bear Bryant was in Lexington a million years ago. Uh, And what he's done there is incredible. And I've talked about it a ton on the Aaron Torres podcast. You can go listen to me there. It's on YouTube, et cetera. But what he's done is incredible. What I would also say is we have to separate the win-loss record going into this game from some facts that do concern me about Kentucky. First of all, Kentucky is not coming into this game uh, at 100%. Josh Ali, their second-leading scorer, is banged up. Uh, Octavius Oxendine, great name, by the way. Unfortunately, uh, one SEC defensive lineman of the week last week while also suffering a season-ending injury, which is obviously very unfortunate. You feel bad for him. Marquand McCall, another defensive lineman, is out for this game. So, you know, you're going up against one of the best run offenses in college football. That is bad timing. And on top of that, what I would say with Kentucky that continues to concern me is this offense right now, while you're 6-0, not tearing you down, not trying to discredit what you've done, the offense is starting to look a lot like it did over the last couple years. And for people who do not remember what this offense looked like, if, if you go back a couple years, very run-heavy Uh, almost afraid to throw the ball it was like a high school you know I don't want to say a wing t triple option offense but it was just you you know they just didn't even attempt to throw the ball downfield week one against Louisiana Monroe they do all that but you start to go through their record. Yes, they're 6-0. and Yes, they're 4-0 and in SEC play. And yes, they are absolutely deserving of all the accolades that they've gotten. But let's pick apart those games a little bit because you go back and look at them. Let's have a deep dive and let's have a real conversation about them. Missouri, you're up 21-7. to You hold on for dear life. You win by a touchdown. South Carolina, the only road game that you've played so far this season. Um, that was a 16-10 final score. You turned the ball over three times. I don't want to say you could have lost the game, but it was closer than it should have been. Even the Florida game. You know, I talked about it on this show. I talked about it on the Aaron Torres podcast. Uh, it was a great win, but Florida comfortably outgained Kentucky in that game, and it was a lot of penalties. It was a lot of false starts. It was a lot of stuff, but Kentucky had a special team score. Kentucky had one big play, and that was basically how they got all their points in, in those two games, and so I would worry a little bit coming into the Georgia game. Now, on the flip side, what I would also say, Kentucky is coming off its single best performance of the season against LSU. Complete, everything was clicking, all that good stuff, but I am just warning you. I'm not t- I never tell you how to bet on this show. I never tell you who I pick. You can read my picks at AaronTorresOnline.com. But I do worry when I look at the resume, when I look at the schedule, when I look at what they've done, when I looked at that they are increasingly throwing the ball less. Uh, Will Levis in his four SEC games, 18 passes, 22 passes, 17 passes, 17 passes. So his passing attempts are going down. Uh, His run attempts are going up. That does not work against Georgia. And so just be wary if you do like Kentucky. They play hard on defense. They run the ball well. But listen. We said the same thing about Arkansas two weeks ago. We said the same thing about Auburn two weeks ago. I'd be a little bit worried coming into this game. I know who else is worried right now. 
Uh, well, he's not really worried, but Coach O, let's go to Florida LSU. This is historically one of the great rivalries in college football, and the unfortunate part is there's just no juice to this one at all. Florida comes in at LSU as we record right now. A ten, they were a 10.5-point favorite to open. It is now up to 12 points. Florida on the road, Death Valley, Tiger Stadium, is a 12-point favorite against LSU, and, you know, it speaks to what LSU has become this season. The bad thing for LSU, to make matters much, 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 much worse, much worse, you know what it is? LSU's lost all their good players. Everybody is hurt on that roster. Derek Stingley went out a few weeks ago. This week, Kayshawn Boutte, great name, another great name, along with uh, Octavius Oxendine. Uh, Kayshawn Boutte is out for the season. Their second best cover corner, another All-American caliber corner, Eli Ricks, is out for the season. Uh, you know, a couple defensive linemen are out for this game. Ali Gay, Major Burns, a safety will not play in this game. And so you go on and on down the list. On top of the fact that LSU is struggling, the schemes aren't lining up. They got a new offensive line coach a week before, the, a month before the season, and they are not blocking worth a you-know-what. Now their best players are hurt. You know, Brody Miller, who does a great job covering that team for the Athletic, you know, he put out a tweet that on top of all of the other issues, you could argue that about six or seven of their best players right now are hurt and are basically out for the season. And so you have that kind of mojo and negative energy coming in. And on top of that, let's go back to that Kentucky game for a second last week. LSU all season long could not run the ball. They finally got the ground game going a little bit against Kentucky, their best rushing performance of the season. Unfortunately, the passing game wasn't there. Max Johnson really struggled. Uh, 22 of 38, sloppy performance, one touchdown. Uh, you know, it just was not a great game overall. And so that is kind of the overall, you know, just energy around this LSU team right now. As you get one thing fixed, another thing falters. You give up 42 to Kentucky. Um, but what I would also say, and something that I, I've kind of tried to wrap my head around this week, is a couple things if you do feel like LSU can if you can put aside the injuries and I don't know how you can't because all their best players are hurt but there are a couple things to consider one LSU has largely taken care of business in this series they have won eight of the last 11 games in this series and I believe it was six out of the last eight and in the three losses they've had in the last 11 games all have been by eight points or less Last year, they went to Florida as a 24-point underdog, ended up winning outright. So historically, LSU has had success in this rivalry. And the other thing that I keep going back to, you know, it, it, this, it doesn't feel like the sky is falling at LSU. The sky is falling. But let's never forget, it was five quarters ago that they went into the fourth quarter with a, uh, with a two-score lead against Auburn. They close out that game. They go into last week against Lexington, against Kentucky and Lexington at 4-1. and one. I don't think they win, but maybe they're a little bit more confident. And so if you're looking for some sort of silver lining, just to try to convince yourself to take LSU plus the points at home, that's it. On the flip side, you know, Florida is just running the ball at an insane level, third in the country and rushing behind only Army and Air Force, and that is what would concern me if I was an LSU backer, is that... Florida can just run the ball right at you. To their credit, they're very physical along both lines. I know Dan Mullen doesn't get a lot of credit, or he, you know, he gets a lot of blame for his lack of recruiting proficiency. He's not Kirby Smart. He's not Nick Saban. Frankly, he's not even Coach O in terms of recruiting. 
but he has figured out a way to get the right guys, a lot of guys through the portal, and they are very physical on both lines of scrimmage. Number three in the country in rushing, and so this is just kind of a fascinating game. Florida's the better team. Florida has more positive energy coming into this one. LSU is banged up, but historically, LSU has controlled this series. The last thing to consider... I don't know how much home field is going to matter in this one. Noon kickoff, everybody knows LSU fans, not fans of the afternoon kickoff. So it's noon Eastern, 11 Pacific or 11 Central time. And on top of that, what kind of vibe and energy is going to be in the stadium? This is just a weird one. Again, LSU almost a two-touchdown underdog at home. It's crazy. The last time they played Florida at home, they won by two touchdowns because they had a guy named Joe Burrow at quarterback. Let's stay in the SEC. Another big one. Alabama, a 17-point favorite against Mississippi State on the road. The over-under is 57.5. This got as high as 18 earlier in the week, now back down to 17. And you know how I just said LSU won't have any juice? You know what stadium will have some juice? That little stadium down in Stark Vegas, baby. Those cowbells will be ringing uh, as Alabama comes into this game. And as I said on Monday's show, this is kind of a show-me-something game for Alabama, right? You want to be a national championship contender. You want to follow in the line of all those great Alabama teams before you. You got to put last week behind you. You got to come out ready to play in this game. Couple things do concern me from an Alabama perspective, though. I think everybody just thinks because they're Bama, they're going to bounce back. They're going to be fine, and that may be true. As Alabama fans will tell you, as they told you all week, Alabama has had plenty of years where they have lost games in the regular season and gone on to win national championships, gone on to make the playoff. Here's where I would be concerned, though. Yes, they're 5-1 and one overall, but they've played two true road games. First one beats Florida 31-29 to in a game where, as we've talked about at length, they were outscored 26-10 to over the final three quarters, jump out early, have to hold on for dear life. Only other road game was a loss at A&M last week where the, the offense was out of sorts all night. Now, credit, obviously, Mike Elko and the Texas A&M defense. I mean, Mike Elko is one of the highest-paid coordinators in college football for a reason. But when you give up four sacks, five tackles for loss, the offensive line was a mess, and part of it was the noise at Kyle Field. I know Kyle Field is a much bigger, louder place than Mississippi State is, but those cowbells are going to be ringing, and I'm just telling you, uh, I think we're going to see a very rowdy environment and a very uh, just dynamic environment. And so... You know, as far as the on the field stuff, this is the other thing to consider. And I don't, you know, I haven't seen anybody else talk about this. You know, we spent so much time over the last couple of days talking about Zach Calzada kind of having a career type game against Alabama this week. That was very true. That was definitely the case. That definitely did happen. But my concern would be this Alabama has kind of let other quarterbacks have really good games against them this year. I mean, look, you go back to that old Miss game. I know that, you know, the focus is on the fact that that Alabama won 42 to 21, all that good stuff. Matt Corral finished that game 21 of 29 passing. It's not like he had a bad game, 72% completion percentage uh, and 213 yards. And Emory Jones wasn't that bad through the air when Florida played him. I looked it up this week. Alabama has given up 68% completion passing to opposing quarterbacks in SEC play. Now, you can't factor in Southern Miss. You can't even factor in Miami. But in SEC play, that pass defense has not been great going up, obviously, against a Mississippi State offense that basically all they do is pass. That would concern me. Obviously, I think the other big question is what I just talked about a minute ago. Alabama has not blocked well uh, the last couple times they've gone on the road, certainly last week at Kyle Field. They will need to be better. Mississippi State statistically is a very good defense. 
but the one thing they do not do, they don't have a lot of plays in the backfield, a lot of tackles for loss, so that will be something to keep an eye on. Let's continue in the SEC. Two more games, then we'll get to a quick break. We'll come back and wrap. Auburn at Arkansas. And this is what I said at the beginning. We know who these two teams are. We know what they're about. Both are physical along the lines of scrimmage. Uh, Auburn obviously coming off the physically draining loss to Georgia. And Arkansas coming off the mentally draining one-point loss to Ole Miss where obviously the last play of the game was a two-point conversion that did not work. Uh, anybody who was criticizing Sam Pittman for that, by the way, is a freaking idiot. If you're looking for positives for Arkansas, there's two that immediately come to mind for me. The first one is... Uh, first home game in three weeks. You know that you have to go to Georgia. You have to go to Ole Miss. And you know, even in the preseason, we didn't know Georgia would be quite this good. We didn't know how good Ole Miss would be. I mean, those are two of the top twenty teams in college football, and probably the number one team in the country and the number one offense in the country. And so you go from the extreme of Georgia's defense to the extreme of Ole Miss's offense. That's a tough turnaround. I think the other thing is, I think this offense is ahead of schedule, and I think we think all they do is run the ball. They had almost 700 yards of total offense last week against Ole Miss. 700 yards. They are ahead of schedule. K.J. Jefferson has been so much better than I expected. And it's worth noting, take out the Georgia game. This offense has been great this year. I looked it up. Take out the Georgia game. They're averaging over 500 yards of offense per game. That's incredible. That is incredible and a testament to what Kendall Bryles and that offensive staff are doing because I did not have high expectations for K.J. Jefferson coming in. He has exceeded them. With Auburn, I think this is kind of a litmus test game for me because, you know, they're sitting here. They were ranked coming into this week. Obviously, I give Brian Harson credit. It was not an easy fall uh, for him. He tested positive for COVID, had to be away from the team, blah, 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 blah. But they're 4-2. But again, I think you look at this schedule, and let's really break it down. Dominate Alabama State early. Dominate Akron early. Both terrible teams. Then from there, you lose at Penn State. No shame in that. Beat Georgia State. Don't play great. And then there's the LSU game. And I talked about it a minute ago with LSU. As much as we just look at that as kind of the signature Brian Harson wins so far because LSU had not lost to Auburn at home. Auburn had not won in Baton Rouge since 1999. That was a game where LSU led 19-10 going into the fourth quarter. That easily could have been a loss for Auburn. Then obviously they get steamrolled by Georgia, no shame in that. But we're basically one good quarter away from Auburn entering this game 3-3 and 0-3 against Power 5 teams with their only wins coming against Georgia State, uh, Alabama State, and Akron. So for me, that's what this one comes down to. Auburn, if you're for real... Go on the road, compete against Arkansas. I should mention, by the way, this is a five-and-a-half-point spread. The money is coming in on Arkansas. It was about a three-and-a-half-point spread earlier in the week, over under 53-and-a-half. But, Auburn, if you're for real, go on the road and compete at Arkansas because that's a good football team. You say you're ahead of schedule, Brian Harson. You're one bad quarter away from being 3-and-3 three three right now. Last one, SEC, that I really want to get to. Then we'll take a quick break. You know where I'm going. I'm going to Rocky Top, Tennessee, where Tennessee is going to be singing Rocky Top all night long if they beat Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, baby. And it's so fascinating, right? Because, by the way, for people who don't get the reference, that was what Lane Kiffin said at his opening press conference 12 years ago when he took the Tennessee job. But I bring it up because a couple things. First of all, it's just fascinating, right? So Lane Kiffin, this is not his first return to, Lane, to Rocky Top, to Neyland Stadium. 
he he came a few times as the Alabama offensive coordinator, but it, this one feels different, right? Couple, a couple of those trips, Alabama was a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. I think Tennessee fans knew they weren't going to win. I think you know the 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 the, the bad blood kind of started to cool, especially after that first trip back. Um, but this year is different. Tennessee's playing really well. They want that three-game winning streak, and I think there is going to be some real anger, hostility in that building for Lane Kiffin. You're starting to see it come out a little bit more now. You know, Ole Miss this week tweeted out some weird stuff out of their tw- their, their their Twitter account about we're playing chess while they're playing checkers, and it was like, you know, Ole Miss, why, you know, let, let, let's beat a couple more teams before you start doing that kind of stuff on social media. But I bring it up to say it really feels like there's bad blood. But we're going to learn a lot about both these teams. I think from Tennessee's perspective, they have crushed Missouri and South Carolina the last two weeks. I think it's easy for everybody who's not a Tennessee fan to sit there and say, well, you know, uh, but it's Missouri, but it's South Carolina. Yeah, and they scored over 100 points combined in those two games. Go back to the Jeremy Pruitt era. This was a program that scored 35 or more three times in three years under Jeremy Pruitt in SEC play. They've scored 35-plus in the first half each of the last two weeks. This offense is rolling. Hendon Hooker, 13 touchdown passes, just one interception, three rushing touchdowns. This offense is firing on all cylinders, people, and I am just telling you, be wary of Tennessee. If you want to sit there and say, Goodness gracious, they haven't played anybody, blah, blah, blah. They lost it for, okay, that's fine. I'm just telling you, they look like an improved football team to me, and they are going to come in fired up. That crowd is going to be fired up. Ole Miss, remember, Ole Miss is another one. You know, we talk about all these great things that they've done. Um, you know, Louisville, uh, Appala- uh, not Appalachian State, excuse me, Austin P in week two, Tulane in week three, Arkansas last week, neutral site, home games, only road game, they got in embarrassed against uh against Alabama and it was self-inflicted this week at night Neyland Stadium really loud how do they react and this is the game to me guys we have seen home crowds really impact games all season long and this is the one along probably with Alabama going on the road to Mississippi State where I think it could be a real factor I don't know if the the crowd is going to be a factor at LSU this weekend uh, I think the crowd will be a factor at Arkansas as well, but this one, night game, all all day long, those Tennessee fans, they you know they they're gonna know how to uh, be ready to go, if you will, be be well lubricated coming into this game. I'm just sitting there saying, uh, you know, it's a three point spread. I didn't even mention it's a three point spread. The over under keeps going up. It is now at 81. Uh, it started at 77, up to 82 now. But you know, I just bring it up because we've seen home crowds impact games all season long this could be one as this will be the most hostile environment I believe that Ole Miss has gone into all season long I just want to do I want to take a quick break come back kind of wrap up the rest of the week seven slate uh, we'll get to some ACC games some Pac-12 games Big Ten and we will get out of here All right, everybody, I am back for the final time today good to be back and let's get into the rest of the slate. By the way, I didn't even mention there is one more SEC game that I have not hit on. It is A&M Missouri, and I think this is kind of an interesting one, you know, from a betting perspective. I don't know that Al, or that Texas A&M is going to lose, but it, coming into this game, Texas A&M is an eight and a half point favorite. The over under is fifty nine and a half. You know, if you like Texas A&M, you have to believe that last week was a 
you know, a season-altering, a season-changing win against Alabama? Was it a season-altering win where they get back on track, where the talent all comes together, or did they just play the perfect game at the perfect time? And again, I've used the term a lot this this episode, but hold on for dear life late against Alabama. Uh, you know, I look at this game a couple things. One, Missouri can score points. They give up a lot. But they could score points, 37 points a game, top 25 nationally in total offense and scoring offense. Of course, that defense gives up just as much, if not more, than they give up. 129th in total defense, only one team worse statistically, and they have the worst rush defense in college football. Probably not helped, by the way, that the fact that they fired their defensive line coach after the Missouri game, after the Tennessee game. So that probably didn't help things. Uh, but again, I think what this one really comes down to is a couple things. One. Missouri's going to score some points now, and you better be ready to go, especially if you're Texas A&M coming off a big win on the road in a noon kickoff. I'd be really worried if I was Jimbo Fisher. And again, two, if you're betting A&M to win as a two-score favorite, you better believe that they have turned things around, that they are in a great place, that they are ready to reach that top 10 preseason potential. I don't know if I see it yet, but this week's going to go a long way in proving it. Let's get to some other games. How about we go back in time? Let's do a little back in time, a little getting in the time machine. Go back to Friday, which is really in the future because today's Thursday, tomorrow's Friday, but you know what I'm saying. I was previewing Saturday, now I'm back to Friday. Anyway, enough said. Let's talk Clemson-Syracuse because, uh, you know, Clemson, first of all, it's still bizarre they're not a top 25 team. They're not worthy of being top 25, to be abundantly clear. I am not saying as such, but to see them uh, have a game with no number next to them it's just bizarre. And so this will be interesting. Clemson, a 14-point favorite over under is 45. Never forget, 2017, year before Trevor, Trevor Lawrence arrived, Clemson goes to the, the Carrier Dome on a Friday night. They end up losing that game. And so you're getting a lot of vibes there. Clemson, 14-point favorite. Worth noting, they're one of the few teams in college football that has not covered yet this season. They're 0-5 against the spread. Uh, and their wins against FBS teams are are by eight points against Georgia Tech, six points against Boston College. Boston College was driving, could have easily won that game. Uh, and I think what's interesting is their opponent is no pushover. That's really interesting. When I, when I was doing all my preseason stuff, you know, you look at Syracuse and it felt like they were about the least talented roster in Power 5 football. But they're playing really good defense over the course of the season. Now the concern would be the defense has taken a few hits the last few weeks. They gave up uh, 33 to Florida State. Florida State ran the ball all over them. Wake Forest was able to score quite a bit as well, but that game eventually went into overtime, and Wake Forest is a pretty good offensive team. Uh, but Syracuse, that, that defense, which had been so good early, has seemingly taken a step back or two over the last couple weeks. They are now 0-2 in, in ACC play. But again, they play tough, beat Liberty earlier this year, and they play real defense. You know, overall, they are still statistically a top 35 defense nationally. And a top 35 defense nationally looks like about a top three defense nationally when they're playing Clemson. Clemson, on the other hand, they are coming off a bye, but you have to take it with a grain of salt. Their leading rusher, Will Shipley, is still out. And I think the big question becomes, is DJ, is that passing game really going to get that much better with one week off? I just don't know. And so, again, Friday night at the Dome, you like, you like uh, Clemson, be very wary as a two-touchdown favorite. Let's whip around the rest of college football this week in the Week 7 slate. Uh, let's go back to Saturday. Michigan State, four-and-a-half-point favorite at Indiana. Really interesting one. Michigan State, one of the pleasant surprises in all of college football. Have not talked about them a ton over the last couple weeks. 
Um, but, you know, I give them a ton of credit, right? Because early in the year when they played, especially like, say, a Miami, right? Coming into that game, they were kind of this, this old school Big Ten, just run the ball right at you offense. That offense has really evolved over the last couple weeks. Peyton Thorne, their cornerback, quarterback, excuse me, over 300 yards passing each of the last two weeks, 588 yards of offense against Rutgers last week. So this is no longer just that three yards and a cloud of dust offense. Uh, and it's really an offense that's really humming on all cylinders. It's worth noting, by the way, this is their final game before a bye week next week have to go on the road against a struggling Indiana that is coming off of a bye. Indiana two and three, but it's worth noting, of the three teams they've lost to, Iowa, number two in the polls. Uh, Cincinnati, number three in the polls. Uh, Penn State, number seven in the polls. So three of the top seven teams are the teams that they've lost to. Um, and, it, it, you know, with Indiana, the one thing you do have to be a little concerned about, Michael Penix, their starting quarterback, he is out for this game. Jack Tuttle will get the start. Played minimally last year in replacement of Michael Penix when he got hurt last year. So if you're going to bet Indiana, if you think they can keep it competitive, just know they are starting their backup quarterback in this game. Michigan State, credit to them, though, for how they are playing. Stay in the Big Ten. Stay with a noon kickoff. Nebraska at Minnesota. Nebraska, a four-and-a-half-point favorite over under 48. Say this about Nebraska. You know, I, I tweeted it out after the Michigan game. I think they're playing like one of the 25 best teams in college football right now. The last month they have played four teams that are currently a combined, what are they, 18-0. and They played Oklahoma, which is 6-0, and Michigan State, which is 6-0, and Michigan, which is now 6-0, lost to Oklahoma by six, lost to Michigan State by three in overtime, lost to Michigan by three. So any of those games go the other way. We're talking about Nebraska in a completely different manner. At the same time, uh, what's the old saying? Close doesn't count except horseshoes and hand grenades. Scott Frost, you got to start winning some of these games, my guy. I think Scott Frost is the guy. I think he will get it there eventually. I do not think, though, if you lose to Minnesota, you're going to be doing yourself any favors with Ohio State and Iowa still on the schedule, Wisconsin as well. As far as Minnesota, really kind of been a quiet year since that opener against Ohio State. Obviously, Mo Ibrahim was lost on opening night. Kind of a bummer. They did beat Purdue last week, but it's worth noting they gave up 450 yards of total offense. The key in this one, this is worth keeping an eye on. Nebraska runs the ball really, really, really well. Top 20 in the in the country in rushing offense. They've been able to move it on everybody. Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State, whoever. Minnesota top five rushing defense in college football. The number two rush defense behind only Wisconsin. And Minnesota's the type of team, I'm just going to warn you, like Nebraska, if you like Nebraska, Minnesota is one of these teams that you cannot fall behind if you are Nebraska. They play slow. They control the clock. They're one of the top teams in college football in time of possession. You know, you fall down 10 nothing. you might not have very many chances to, to make up uh, ground in this one. So Nebraska, again, Scott Frost, I like the guy. You got to get the dub here. Uh, really quickly, we'll wrap on a couple Pac-12 games. First of all, uh, Arizona State playing Utah. Really interesting game from this perspective. Utah, two weeks ago, we all remember what happened there at Utah. We all remember. Uh, our boy there, what was his name? Uh, the kid from uh, Baylor, Charlie Brewer. Charlie Brewer gets benched, transfers, middle of the season, hits the portal. What happens? Cam Reeson comes in and has been awesome since then. Utah has won back-to-back -back games. They are now 3-2 and two overall. 
crushed USC last week at the Coliseum, 42-26 to final score. Very weird line as Arizona State playing well themselves, a one-point road favorite, but Utah is much improved over the last two weeks. And you want to talk about a weird line. Uh, UCLA at Washington is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Washington is just a bizarre team. Statistically, if you look at them, they are not terrible, but a lot of that comes from stats in games that were either blowouts like Michigan or against bad teams like Arkansas State, coached by our boy Butch Jones, as well as a win against Cal. But Washington's not very good. Two and three right now. They lost to Oregon State. They are coming off a bye. But the defense hasn't been as good as expected. The offense isn't dynamic. UCLA is 4-2, and two, but it's worth noting, it's not as though UCLA has actually played better on the road than at home. They beat Stanford on the road. Uh, they took care of business last week against Arizona. So that is one worth keeping an eye on as well. And I think that's really it. Uh, you know, interesting game between Cincinnati and Central Florida this week. Central Florida, obviously the Gus bus, Gus Malzahn. Be interesting to kind of see what he's doing over there at, at Central Florida. I think you could find better value and better spots than betting, betting on or against the Gus bus in that one. Um, you know, but that's really it. That's really it, I think. I, I think we just did a good job of covering the entire landscape of Week 7. Great show and I appreciate your support. I think it's time for me to get out of here. That is all for episode 12 of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Reminder, if you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure to rate. Make sure to review. And as I say, Make sure to share with some friends if you do enjoy college football betting with Aaron Torres. Thank you to our partners with DraftKings. If you want to get involved in on the action, the link is in the bio. Click that link. You get a special offer from DraftKings. You can navigate to the college football page if you don't want to you know, place a wager on pro football, Major League Baseball, NHL, whatever. We'll have some good NBA stuff coming next week too uh, from DraftKings. So that is all for today's show. Thank you for listening to College Football Betting. Good luck with your bets. I will be back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.